0: Amen. Can you hear me?
1: Great. Yeah, praise God. I want to have a very, very warm welcome to every one of us tonight. Um, I believe that God is here and God wants to meet with us. Uh, My expectation and my desire for this weekend is not a teaching weekend and it's not a time for very long sermons, it's a time to encounter the living God. It's a time to meet with God in a tangible and real way. The God of heaven is real. You've just had a story of how God broke into the normal routine of life And took something quite ordinary and quite simple. But yet, when God broke into that, it became something living, something powerful, something impactful. And the Word of God, which is sometimes referred to as the Logos, which is like the written word, just everything you can pick up. But when that is impacted by the Spirit and the life of God, it becomes Rema. Which means for you, it becomes the word of God for you in that moment. You know, somebody else might listen to it and it might make no sense, but for you in that moment, it's as if you were in a private consultation with God and the Holy Spirit all by yourself. And I say, this is a true story. In that flat, listening to just a recorded message, but in that moment, it was more than a recorded message. It was an encounter with the living God. And so as we gather together over this next few days, I really want to encourage your heart to come knowing that God is more than able to meet with us. But more importantly, His heart and His desire is actually for us. He wants to meet with us much more than we could ever want to meet with Him. He wants to reveal His heart to us much more than we could ever imagine. He passionately longs to reveal Himself. As we we sang at the opening song, Open the eyes of my heart. The Father, more than anything, wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to bring this faith, a reality in your life. He wants to bring the reality of your walk with Jesus to be as tangible in your life, in my life, Not just so that we can be blessed by the outworking of the Spirit in and through us, but that we can take that message of hope and be able to share that with everyone we come in contact with. So over these next three days, we're going to be looking at the story of the father and his two sons. And as you know with the conference we're talking about, as it is in heaven, so it is on earth. But the thing God has given me over the three days is that welcome home. I really, really believe in my heart that God wants us to know His welcome. He wants us to know He's welcome. And He wants us not just to know He's welcome, but to know He's welcome as He brings us home. Jesus says, in my Father's house there are many mansions many rooms if not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you so that where i am you also will be there a father has a home that he has prepared for his children and he wants to welcome home he wants us to be to feel that welcome to feel that draw of a spirit to feel that sense of being valued being wanted that his desire is for you, his heart is for you, his passion is for you, and that in that place where you call home, you know the safety and the security, the warmth, the joy, the gladness, that sense of being grounded, that sense of being established, that sense of care and being looked after, that sense that you are actually in a place where you can flourish And where you can know a deep sense of connectedness. And that's the home it welcomes you into. So as we go tonight and as we explore that story, over the three nights, tonight I'm going to focus on the beginning of that story, which is about the younger son. And tomorrow night we're going to look at the older son. And then on Saturday we're going to focus on the father. Now, I appreciate that some of us might not get to all the three meetings, but I am persuaded that in each of the night, there are things the Lord wants to do with us. And in each of the night, in the moment, I'm trusting the Lord will do something in our hearts and in our lives. Something in the moment. You know, the Bible tells us that everyone who came in contact with Jesus, they went away with an encounter. When you encounter Jesus, it never leaves you the same. In that moment, there is a work of grace that happens. There's something in the realm of the Spirit that happens to you, that changes where you are, that makes you know you've had an encounter with Jesus. Now, the outworking of that encounter will go and live with you for years to come. But in that moment, something happens. And in this moment, as we sit here, as we gather together tonight, something is happening. And something is going to happen. And there is going to be a touch of God on your life that will impact you for days and months and weeks and years after you leave this place. I believe that is the promise of the Spirit to us. So can I encourage you to let faith rise in you. Let expectation rise in you as you press in. Determine like that woman for you individually. I am going to lay hands and touch the helm of his garment. Because when I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And it doesn't matter whether it's defied logic. It doesn't matter whether you've spent all of your years battling this particular chronic situation. It doesn't matter whether all the professionals have not been able to help you. It doesn't matter whether everything has failed up until now. But when you encounter Jesus, even the most... Difficult and impossible situations will give way to the anointing that breaks the yoke. Because he is the anointed one and he's here with us tonight. He's sitting by your side, just right by your side, his focus is on you, his attention is on you, his gaze is fixed on you, he is focused on your situation, is focused on your circumstances, he is here for you. The gaze of Jesus is upon you tonight. Not on the brother sitting by your side. Not on the sister by your side. He's focused on you. He wants to do business with you. Because this is the time of his favor. This is the time that he has appointed to bring us into the fullness of our inheritance as sons and daughters of the living God. Father, we open our hearts to you, Lord. We know you've already started your work amongst us. So, Lord, I pray, let faith rise up in our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart. Open our understanding. Let there be clarity, Lord, tonight. Let there be clarity, Lord. Cause your children to hear your voice in my voice, Lord, tonight. That they will not hear the voice of man, but they will hear the voice of the living God. And the truth of your word will expose the lies of the enemy. You bring us into revelations tonight that will take us into a different place in our walk with you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's quickly go to Luke chapter 15. Just to start with that story. We'll read that passage. And then I'm going to focus on... This is a story that I know, you know, we, we all know the story. It's very, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a familiar story. But I, I think that it's a focus tonight that the Lord wants to shine his light on as we look at this story. So Luke chapter 15, we start reading from verse 11. it says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and yet squandered his wealth in wide living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And yet I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of man, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. I'll stop there and we, we can continue next time. Like I said, this story is quite familiar to a lot of us. And it's about this son who went to his father. And when we think about it, for a son to approach his father and says, give me my inheritance while the father was still alive, is a significant act for a son to do that. In whatever cultures we've come from, that is just not something you do. But yet... The father responded to the son and gave him what he wanted. And then he took all that belonged to him and then he went off into a distant place. And the Bible says, in that distant place, he lived a reckless life, a wasteful life. And ended up spending all his resources until such a time where he had nothing. And he began to be in want. And things got so bad that he ended up in the pig's farm. And it was so bad that he would have desired to eat what the thieves were being fed. And he couldn't even get that. He was almost less than human. He was less than an animal. And this is someone who has come from a place of sonship, who had such an amazing inheritance and an amazing privilege, and dignity and honor, and now he's found himself in this place of complete Humiliation and loss of everything. But in that place, when it comes to the end of everything, the Bible says one day he came back to his senses. And as he came back to his senses, he actually began to speak to himself and began to have that conversation with himself. And he says, actually, even hired people in my father's house have a better existence than I do here. And I guess he got to a point where he realized, I'm a step away from death. If I continue on this path, that will be the end of me. And hitting that rock bottom kind of helped him to come back to a place and decided, I need to go back home. But even then, he looked at himself and he said, actually, with what I have done, there's no way back for me. Even I understand that my father will not be able to take me back. But actually, anything in my father's house is better than where I found myself. So I'll gladly take to be a hired help. Just put me as one of those hired servants. I will earn enough from that to be able to not just feed myself, but I'll actually have enough to give to other people. Because I know my father's generosity. I know he's a benevolent employer. I know that the way he treats his employees are far better than the state I found myself. So I go back home. And he traces safe back home. But when he met the father, it was a completely different story. The response of the father, the, the compassion, the generosity, blew his mind away. And rather than coming back home and finding himself as an employer in one corner, just slaving away, the father restored him back to his inheritance as a son. And. We give you this beautiful picture where the Father stripped him of all that humiliation, clothed him with honor, put a signet ring of authority on his hands, showed his feet with amazing sandals, and declared a celebration. Now, this parable we have just read, if you go back and look at Luke 15, came on the back of when Jesus was accused by the Pharisees that why do you spend time with sinners? Why do we find you in the company of these sinners and these derelicts and people that we should really not care about? And they were almost accusing Jesus of almost making a mockery of who God was and the standing of God with his people. And saying, you shouldn't be hanging around with people like this. And as a response to that, Jesus shared three parables. He talks about the parable of the lost coin. It talks about the parable of that lost sheep, the one where the ninety-nine were saved, and he lost one, and the father went out. And then lastly, it talks about this parable of the father and the two sons. And what has struck me in each of those parables is how it uses a picture of the father there to represent the heart of God. And I said, go back again and look at those parables. One thing that really caught my attention in all of it is that aspect that the father was so desperate to bring that restoration. They were enforcing it. It was something the father did gladly. You know, with that coin, he says she searched and searched and searched and searched until she finally found it. And then, when, the father, when, when they found that, they did not just stay with it by themselves. He invited everybody else to come and participate in this joy and in this celebration. There was great joy in the Father's heart when that which was lost was recovered. When that which was dead was made alive. And all of those stories, you find that they all ended in a state of celebration and joy. You know, that tells me that the Father's heart and His purpose in seeking us, going after us and restoring us, is not reluctantly. He's not struggling to do it. He's doing it with such a joy and such a gladness. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to achieve. That is... Every passion in his heart is for us. He, he, he chases us. He pursues us. He's completely focused on bringing us and restoring us back to himself. And we can look at this story... And it can affect us in different ways. And every one of us, at some point, because at at, at the baseline, all of us as humans have walked away from God. Because we chose to reject His Lordship. We chose to reject His values. We chose to reject His authority over our lives. And we chose a life of independence away from God and the purposes of God and to do whatever we like. Even the things that God has given us in terms of our gifts, our intellect, and all that He's made us with. We say, no, we don't want you to have any part in this. Give it to us. We take absolute control of it. And we do whatever we like with it. And we've expended it in a self-seeking gratification. And it's brought us to that place of deep want and lust. And that happens to each one of us. And then in His grace, like Steve shared... God breaks into that, and He brings us back, and restores us to Himself. But that is not the end of the story. As I prayed and thought about this, the Lord really focused my heart on that passage when He talked about when the sun began to think in himself. Every time that we step out of faith, every time that we close our hearts to the voice of our Father's love. Every time that we yield ourselves to the flesh, rather than to the Spirit, we are beginning to move away from our Father's home. Every time we seek another voice of affirmation, rather than the voice of our Father's love that says, you are my child, in you I am favoured, and we begin to seek anything else, we are drifting away from home. We are going into that distant land. We are moving farther away from the reality of what the Father has got for us. And so we engage in that prodigal, not just because we completely... So even though we have children in his house, sometimes we can still give it to this prodigal spirit, where we begin to drift away and things begin to draw our heart and we begin to get cold in our faith, or we begin to lose sight of the vision, of the purposes and of the plans of God. If I expend the gifts of God upon my life in self-seeking and self-gratification, rather than for the glory and the purposes of God, in that moment I am beginning to drift away from my Father's house. I am getting into that distant place where I am now beginning to expend my Father's energy and my Father's blessing on self-gratification. And it brings me into a place of want and a place of frustration and a place of feeling lost and cut away from all that the Father has for me. And in that place, we need to come back to our senses. And we come back to our senses when the voice of our Father becomes clear. Because he says, the first thing his son says is, I will go back to my father. The moment he reconnected back with that truth, that this is my father. That set of a spiral of thoughts in his head. He didn't say, I will go back. He says, the first thing he says is, I will go back to my father. The moment he reconnected that I am a son. I am a son. I am a son, I've got a father, and that's where my connection is. And that began to cause him to ask himself the questions, What is a son in my father's house? What is the place? What is the position? What is the provisions for sons in my father's house? What is the the desire and the plans and the purposes of God for sons in my father's house? This is so far away from where I've gone. And that began to bring him back and restore him to that place. But what struck my heart was when he was going back home, he said, I don't think I deserve this. I think I've wasted away. I've wasted my father's resources. I am not deserving to be restored back to sonship. It's good enough. Just make me a hired servant, and that will be fine. And in so many ways, I think one of the biggest challenge sometimes in our spiritual life is to be able to receive the forgiveness and the redemption that God offers us. Because sometimes we look at our lives, we look at our past, we look at things that we have done and what we've gone through, and we manage to convince ourselves that we're not good enough to become sons in our father's home again. And we think, I would just be happy if I'm just a hired help. And on a survival level, that makes sense. Because a uh, hired help in the Father's house was better than where it was coming from. But from the Father's perspective, that is not good enough. Because the Father does not desire a hired help. That's not his hard desire. That is not his hard desire. The Father's desire is to have his stones restored back to himself. It does not honor God it does not glorify God that sons of God are living as hired helps in his house. It does not honor him. It does not give him delight. Because the joy in a father's house is to welcome his children back home and to put them back in the place that is always desired for them. And when he got back, he said to himself, I don't deserve this. But the father just caught him. He didn't even let him finish what he was saying. He says. Strip him of all that debt, that sh- all, that, all that filthiness. Take it all of him. Clothe him in a robe. It didn't just give him any casual clothes. I was looking at some of the commentaries, and it says that is a significant covering. That is not just any covering. That was a, a, a really, really amazing thing that God gave to him. But not just that, he put a signet and ring on his finger, which is a sign of authority. Which is a seal of recognition. So that if the second day he was walking on the streets and people looked at him and said, Oh, that's the son that wasted away his father, and they start to mock him or whatever, it doesn't matter. They might mock him, they might say whatever I like, but it doesn't matter. Because what matters is on that finger, it's got the ring. And with that ring, it's got the authority and the dignity and the honor that comes associated with that family. People might not appreciate that, people might not accept that, it doesn't matter. Because what matters is what the father does. And the father has declared over his son, this is my son who was dead is now alive. This is my son who was lost is now found. This my son is worth celebrating. This my son is worth throwing a party. And I'm welcoming home as a son in my household. So even all the servants who might have stood whatever they said behind him when he was gone, even when some of them might have met him on his way when he was coming alive and he said, oh, look at him, he's coming. We'll see what will become of him. It doesn't matter. Because the moment the Father makes those provisions, it was translated. He was put back in that place of significance and importance and dignity. And that's what God wants to do with us. And the challenge for us tonight is how many of us are living like hirelings, Like hired hands in a father's house. When the delight of your father is to restore you back to sonship. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you have done. It's not about you. It's about your father's heart for you. It's the father that makes the provision. If he was left for the son, the son could not do anything for himself. And he was not dependent on the son. This is not about us. This is about the father's heart. This is about what he wants to do. And this is what he has proposed to do in his heart. And anything less than that, we actually grieve our father's heart. Anything less than living in the reality of his inheritance and coming into the fullness of sonship, actually, for our father, we're no home yet. Yes, we're no longer in a distant country. We're close to Him. But it's not the Father's heart to see you come home and live like a hired friend. Jesus says, I call you friends, I don't call you servants. The call of God upon our life is not a servanthood. The Bible says, He was the firstborn among many brethren and He's bringing sons and daughters into glory. Jesus is the firstborn and He's raising sons who can come into the Father's kingdom. Because part of the calling of sonship is to reflect the character of the father. The servant cannot reflect the father's character. The servant cannot step in into the father's function. The servant cannot step in and be an heir in the father's house. Only sons can reflect the glory of the father. And that's why his heart is to bring us into sonship. Because we cannot Truly manifest and reflect the glory. We cannot represent a father. The Bible says Jesus is the express image of the heavenly Father. It's when He asks Him, He says, "Show us the Father." He says, "Look at Me." When you see Me, you saw the Father. But only a son can say that. Only a son can say that. My stones can carry my genes and they reflect everything about me. A servant can't come into that place. And so tonight. The cry of God for us is that we need to come back to our senses. And as we find our way back home, He wants to restore us into the fullness of His inheritance as sons and daughters of the living God. He wants to close us with a robe of righteousness, the seal, which is His Holy Spirit, Is freely available to each one. The Bible says, As many who received Him, He gave them powers to become the sons of God. That's what He gave it to Him. Power to become a son in your father's house. That's what He offers you. As many as received Him, He gave them powers to become sons. Not hired help, Not servants. Not just managing to get by. No. Living in the fullness of, Of his inheritance. Living in the fullness. Jesus says every blessing in the heavenly places is in Christ Jesus. And that is available for us as his children. And he calls us to live in the fullness of our inheritance. We do not do our Father justice. That's not humility, that's not godly sorrow. That does not bring any glory to our Father. His glory when His children come into maturity. When they display the splendor of His majesty. When the world can see the reflection of who our Father is in the way we manifest and will live our lives. And that's what He wants to do. That's where He's calling us into. That is what it means to be at home in our Father's house. And so tonight... I don't know where you are in this journey. The band will come. Please. We're going to spend some time to pray and spend some time to think about that. God wants to welcome us home, but not as hired help, but as sons. He wants us to get a fresh revelation Of what it means to be sons in a father's home. Do you know the covering of the righteousness of God over your life? It says, having broken the power of sin, it set us free so that we can live in righteousness and in holiness all the days of our lives. By the seal of His Spirit upon our lives, He gives us powers to exercise authority as His sons. And then He shuts our faith with the preparation of the Gospel, that we can reflect to the world what He's already done in us. That we become the prize. When people see us, they see the benevolence of our God. They see the compassion of our God. They see how awesome and how great our Father is. We become the showpiece. We become the ones who reveal to our world, this is what our Father does. This is what redemption looks like. This is what restoration is. I am a son in my Father's house. Irrespective of what I've done, when He restores me, He restores me in the fullness of the power of His Spirit. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price. He went to the cross for you and I. He took our shames. He took the guilt That we can be released and set free and released into the fullness of all the Father has for us. So the question tonight is, are you living as sons or are you living as hired hands in your Father's house? I would like us to respond to that word. We're going to pray tonight and we're going to just spend some time to pray as we And we're just going to have some time of ministry time. I believe the word tonight needs a response from us. And there are two things I feel the Lord really wants us to think about. The first thing is I want you to think in your own heart. Are you actually at home? Or are you in a distant place? Have you drifted away from your father's home? If you have, you need to come back to your senses. You need to return. You make that choice. That's one thing the father can't do for you. You've got to make the choice to return and come back home. But what you're guaranteed is halfway, the father is running to you. Halfway is embracing you. Halfway is not going to wait for all the explanation you have. It just wants to welcome you. So there is a welcome tonight. And the father offers you that. Secondly, some of us are actually at home... But we're still living in the servant's quarters. And we think, well, that's good enough. You know, God, you know, at least I'm not, I'm not feeding the pigs. I'm not out there. No, actually, it's not good enough. You need to know the reality of the redemptive work of Christ in you. When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. When you have life, you have life in all of its fullness. Anything less than that is not desire of God for us. And if that's you, I want you to respond to that and pray and also come out and pray. And then once we do that, then we're going to pray one final prayer, which I'll come back to in a moment. So, will you please stand to your feet. As we do that tonight, if any of those things I've said pertains to you, if you would particularly like somebody to pray with you, I really feel a strong unction upon me to be able to just pray. Like I said at the beginning of this meeting, God wants to do something in this moment. Because the Father's welcome was in the moment. And I stand here representing the Father heart of God. And I want to welcome you tonight. I want to put my hands around you. I want to, by faith, clothe you in that robe. I want to strip everything that is negative and contrary to God's purpose for you. I want to strip it off. I want to pray an impartation of the Spirit. I want to pray a seal of the Spirit upon that which God is doing in your heart today. And I want to shod your faith with the pressure of God so that you go away from here in the testimony of what your Father has done for you. So if that's you tonight, I would just love you to come out and just respond to your Father. I want you to take that step of faith, that physical step of actually I'm returning, I'm going back home. So I want you to physically move from where you are and just come forward, if that's what you're saying to the Lord. I might not be able to pray with everybody, but we'll just pray over as many people who will do that. As many of us who are standing in the congregation, I want you to pray for this once. That they will know the Father's welcome in a real and tangible way tonight. That whatever lies that the enemy has spoken over them, that they are not worthy to be sons in their Father's home. That the power of hell will be broken and tonight there will be release and freedom. Can I get the ministry team to join me and help me out with this? And the rest of us, I just want us to pray for this brethren who are gathered before us. I said, tonight, Lord, we want them to know you're welcome. Right now, in this place, we want a tangible impact and manifestation of the Spirit of God.
0: I look
2: upon your sacrifice. You became
0: a
1: tree. Lord, I pray right now,
2: Lord, in the
1: name of Jesus, I rely.
2: Any time I've wondered at your gift of life, <laughs> I'm in that place once again. I'm in that place once again
3: and once again I look upon the
2: cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside once again I thank you Once again I pour out my life do to the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day I'll bow, but for now I'll marvel at this saving grace, and I'm full of praise once again.
1: Just as as we continue with that, I feel the Lord wants us to pray for the community of God's people. And as many churches who are represented here this evening, I would like as many churches who are represented here this evening, if if you're from any church, can you just lift up your hands? I want to know different churches represented now, what I would want us to do, I want us to gather around, are we, for those of us who are in the congregation, I want you to look at those ants raised up, and I want you to gather around those people. And I want us to pray and make a prophetic declaration that in our communities of faith, God will bring His people into sonship. That there will be in the realm of a spirit every lies that have kept people locked up as hired helps rather than stepping into the fullness of what God has for them. I want you to just join those brothers and sisters and agree with them and pray that in their churches, in their communities of faith, God will begin to do a work and begin to bring that reality. Do we get it?
0: Thanks. Broken
2: inside. Once again I thank you. Once again I pour out my life. Thank you for the cross Thank you for the cross Thank you for the cross My friend Thank you for the cross Thank you for the cross Thank you for the cross the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. My friend. Oh, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. My And once again, I look upon the cross where you die. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. Look upon the cross where you died, I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside.
1: Just before we close tonight, one more prayer that I would like us to pray. I would like us to pray for the leaders of our churches. That they will be fathers who will be able to welcome the prodigal. That we will be able to express the Father's love. And I might invite one of the other church... Glenn, will you come and just... Pray over that. Thank you. I just want us to just agree together and just pray for fathers. That fathers will be able to welcome the prodigal.
4: God, we look to you and what an example we have. You are Heavenly Father. Lord, what we don't want is more instructors. But we want leaders and that flows down through the churches, through your church, people with a Father's heart. That doesn't come to condemn but comes to minister kindness the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord God, that prodigals will feel safe to return, that they won't be beaten and whipped, but they will be embraced, be forgiven and to be restored. We thank you, Lord, as we have heard tonight that the prodigal wasn't left on the he was brought right in. And we pray that there will be such a welcome in our churches that people feel that they are welcomed home. Home amongst us, but also home with the Heavenly Father. And I pray for a supernatural ministering of your Holy Spirit upon our hearts and our lives that we will be moved with compassion because... Jesus, you said you saw them as sheep without a shepherd. There are so many, so many lives that are crying out in desperation. And we have had blinkers on and we've ignored them. And we ask and we come to you and we repent tonight, Lord God. For where we've been seeking our own agendas and putting our own things first. But we want to come and we in the northeast of England, we want to welcome home. Welcome the harvest, Lord God, we pray, laborers to be thrust into the harvest, that each person that is here tonight, the sphere of influence that they find themselves in, that they will let your light and your love and the power of the Holy Spirit influence that sphere. Not just what happens on a Sunday, but what happens on a Monday afternoon and a Wednesday morning and a Thursday night, Lord God. When we say kingdom of God come, will of God be done and flow through our hands and our hearts and our mouths. Set our hearts on fire, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.